I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Smell! You know that gasoline smell? It smells like... Victory. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. The f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun. Lone Wolf Jacks. I'm Tim Allen. Greg Peppers on the board. SP Futures up 13.50. NASDAQ Futures up 65. Whoopee! Get yourself in the market. All you do is make money. This is this is great. What, what was the uh, what were the fat kids say in Animal House? This is great! It's a party, Chief. It's a party. It is a party. Do we have uh, the Professor Lou? Good morning. How are you? How are you, bud? What's a good word? Uh, I don't really have one, but smells like victory is always a is always a great way to start the day. In fact, there's a a line of soap products, men's soap products, called yeah. Duke Cannon. Oh, yeah. Duke Cannon, yeah. Uh, Duke Cannon that is supposedly you know based on this character that they've they've created, but but one of his uh, one of his soaps is a pleasant. Uh, he's got a picture of some army guy, World War II army guy, about to throw a hand grenade, I think. And it uh, it it says that the soap, you know, has a pleasant scent, smells like victory. <laughs> um, I, they they have uh, they used to sell those through. Tells them a place that I buy some stuff from uh, Duluth Trading. I think they're one of the yes, Duluth people. Trading sold them, and and they're um, they're. I was walking in the uh, the base exchange here at Buckley in Denver, and uh, they've got, you know, I, I mean, they've got a whole display of just about every one of their products. Do they have that and, uh, soap on the rope thing where you can, you can hang it? Oh yeah, you... yeah. They've got soap on a rope. They've got they've got body wash. They've got regular basic giant bars of they call them big ass bars of soap. Um, they are some of the most entertaining reads. I, you know, I don't know the soap. I use the soap. It, Doesn't it, surprise me. You use the one, the victory it, one. It's fine. Uh, no, I think I've got the one that smells like naval supremacy. Oh, that oh, because no. because my, you know, my wife is an Annapolis prep school grad. Um, I I, uh, I I mean the the the, in, the circulars or the the product descriptions are about the funniest things you'll you'll read, and so they've got. A new one that I just that I can remember right off the top of my head from uh, from this visit, and it's it's called the uh, you know the, the the lump of coal soap, and it you know it talks about Santa you know supposedly leaving you know a bag full of mud and a bundle of switches 
or a lump of coal. And they said, well, you know, from our perspective, you could do a lot worse than get a big piece of fossil fuel in your stocking for being bad. Um, it's, it's pretty clever. Greg, Greg, you can be our our referee here. Now, if if you see a guy like Lou, now take 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 a couple of our guys, Luke, Kevin, Russell, and I'll I'll tell you the kind we have here: big ass brick lump of coal soap, big ass brick bourbon soap, big ass brick illegally illegally cut pine. Okay, there's yes. a good one. And then there's a there's a jingle booze three pack soap. One tastes like bush beer. One is beer soap. The other one is bourbon soap. Then there's frothy the beer man soap. Then yep. there's there's buffalo trace. Who the hell wants to smell like a buffalo? Um, buffalo trace thick body wash. Uh, big ass naval di- diplomacy. Yeah. Big ass midnight swim. That might be interesting. Uh, big yeah, ass. That's where where real men don't don't go splashing around in some in some pool with lines on it. You you swim in a lake, you know, where you can be attacked by animals and icebergs. <laughs> I can't see Lou doing this because he's not a big big booze guy. Big ass brick bay rum. Well they've got a they've got I mean I mean it's it's a basically a site or the, the product descriptions are for unabashedly politically incorrect, you know, testosterone fueled you know, men. I mean, that's the what that's is the what pitch. is tactical soap on a rope? Tactical. Uh, I think it's tactical because this it's the rope is camouflaged or something else, and you know, it's it's safe. You have to read the product descriptions. What's the matter with big ass? Just go with the buck naked soap. I I don't I don't know. I haven't seen that one. Very big ass anyway, buck the, naked. The, the, this line of. This line of this line of products is is they've got you know smells like naval supremacy smells like victory smells like I gotta get some of this now. Which one should I get? Is the naval supremacy supremacy good? Oh, all the the bars of soap are, are fine. They're actually one of their and I don't know if they put this on the product anymore, but the, one of their initial pitches was that they were making the soap in a factory in Pennsylvania or someplace like that that manufactured soap for the U.S. Army during the Second World War and Korean War. They re they revitalized the facility and turned it into you know a soap manufacturing operation for Duke Cannon. Well, you can get the the frothy the beer man soap here for only six bucks. It's down from nine ninety five. Is that is that the brick? Yeah, big well, the froth, big ass brick frothy the beer man. Yeah, yeah. So I I will tell you um, that 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 thing is a it is a big bar of soap. I I cut the bars of soap in half. And, yeah, and these are not going to fit in any soap tray. No, you, yeah, you, it's it's too big. You know, I, I've got I've got I don't know reasonably sized hands. They're, they're too big for me. Good. The bars of soap are too big for me to comfortably uh, hold. So I just cut them in half. But they work good. This and they work well and they smell okay. Well, and, soap is kind of soap. You know. I mean, I, I could see I could see Greg with the Bush beer soap. Count me in. I, I, the other thing I say I'll tell you is that the the stuff lasts. You know, it lasts forever. The bars do well. The bar as big as your head. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You buy one of those, you're not you're not going to be buying Life Boy anytime soon. Well, you know that you can still. Actually, I'm not so sure you, you can. You used to be able to buy that at uh, Vermont Country Store. That was the original deodorant soap. Was Life Life Boy? You used to be yeah, able to still it, buy it there. Uh, and it was it was they called it Life Boy because it floated, right? Uh, I thought uh, Ivory was, was it. Ivory that, that floats. Ivory floats because I remember when we went. 
when we went canoeing up in Canada, and you just, you know, you took a bath in the lake, except the lake was only like 35 degrees, made taking a bath a little harder, uh, you, you always brought the ivory so you didn't lose it in the lake, it just floated around next to you. Um, <laughs> God. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that, it, it's funny, so now, now we run down another rabbit hole of weird stuff that, that people, or that advertising companies use to, to flag their, or flog their products, and you know, and, and we've moved. I think we've moved from the specific aspects of a particular product, you know, at least in healthcare, to uh, to more of a general. You know, hey, the cool people are doing this. But yeah, the idea that you would have a soap that floats and that would be a huge selling, a huge selling point. I never, I never got it. But I mean, it worked. Apparently. If you're taking a bath in a lake, it's a big, it's a huge thing. Well, if, yeah, I mean, but that's not, you know. Uh, I, I mean, I don't recall. I don't recall Ivory or even Life Boy uh, being out there showing guys scrubbing in the lake ever. Uh, no. You know, I mean, I remember uh, what was it? Uh, Palm Olive dishwashing detergent that tried to sell itself as a as a hand softener, skin softener. With, with yeah, oh, yeah they did. They actually did pretty well with that for a while. Soaking their hands in it. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, what so you, what, uh, I want to. Yeah, what do you? I was uh, just going to come back. I wanted to come back and talk because it made my man Jason Whitlock's radar, uh, and it's related to the Big Ten. So you guys will you guys will be interested in it. What what is what is up with Juwan Howard again, and why is he still coaching? I don't uh, know. I, I, I don't. I didn't get the intrigue. We so, talked about football the other day with Joel. Yeah, Michigan. the guy. The guy. The guy. You know, he's been involved. He punches actually punches an assistant coach on another team uh, a couple of years ago. That only got him a five-game suspension, and I don't know why Michigan didn't fire him. Uh, Whitlock, Whitlock says that they're just, they're just looking for an excuse to fire him, but they, they, they're terrified, too, because he's a, a very vocal minority, and he's got, I guess he's got some alumni support. Cause he well, was, plus, his kid plays on the team, right? Or did? Yeah, his kid. Well, that, that's what triggered this latest one. So, so he's been involved in altercations with officials. He's been involved in, in a physical punching altercation with another uh, a coach on another team. He's been involved in a bunch of other stuff. And, and now it's the, um, the strength coach for, uh, for Michigan. Apparently, uh, the kid, Howard's kid, was in the training room. And just walked out, you know, refused to refuse to participate in whatever post workout routine they wanted him to, to do to either recover or whatever. And the kid just got up and walked out. And the strength coach supposedly said, you know, this this is the reason we have problems or with this culture. You know, this this is the reason we have the the culture we do around here. And Howard, the big Howard, heard it, and uh, you know, got nose to nose with the guy, screaming at him and and all that. And um, I'm I'm pretty sure Howard probably has about you know seven or eight inches at least, and maybe a hundred pounds on on anybody else in that locker room. Um, what is he six and nine? Yeah, he's a big guy. Um, and uh, you know the the strength coach goes to goes to Michigan's human resources department and says you know this guy this guy's a nightmare, and you know I I want to I want to lodge a complaint. Um, so anyway, it it. Uh, at some point, um, you know, at some point, don't you don't you sit don't you sit down and say, you know, we're we're just we're just going to have a bomb go off here eventually with this guy. He's he's you know he's too mercurial, he's too crazy, and uh, and we're going to get we're going to get 
we're getting in trouble. What, what part of entitlement are you missing here? Well, I, that's exactly right. And so, and so this leads this leads into my my other point that I wanted to talk about it because I don't, I don't know if you guys have beaten this to death because I haven't I haven't been able to plug you in lately. Um, but but this this issue with these college presidents who testified in front of uh, Congress last week and and how what's happened with them is is opening up some really interesting uh, issues both as a, from an employment lawyer perspective before we and, before you roll on that I, I have a question because i i listened okay. to the one lady and i and i I, uh, what, which which and there was which, to which Harvard, women did you listen? I listened to the Harvard listen one. To? Well, I, I, okay, but, but I I have a couple of issues. As always, I have issues. Though I mean, it's just it's just me. The idea of being grilled and stuff like this by a congressperson to me is feels like feels like somebody's grabbing my behind right now. I mean, the, well, the uh, okay, so so I'm I'm let me just go yeah, to the next, the next agree, one's more. I tend to agree with you. But the next one is yeah. a little more important. I, when you start talking about speech and people being idiots and saying stuff to people at various levels of 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 volume, of physical intimidation, of distance defining what when that becomes a quote rule violation or a crime has to be one of the hardest things any lawyer would ever try and do mm, at the margins yes but we're not talking about at the margins here because i i mean i think the the idea that if somebody does something and somebody's response is you have to look at the concept or the context and how it happened. I'm not so sure that's a horrible response, is it? Well, no. If if what is being said is, you know, I, I think the president should should get impeached. Um, if what's being said is, I think you should all be murdered, and and driven out of this country, uh, that. That's a lot easier call, and context really doesn't matter. But wh- wh- like where, that. where, where, and where and when? If you're sitting by yourself in front of the TV or with one other person, and who knows, maybe you're overserved in marijuana or whatever, and you say something like that, why don't we just kill all these people and send them back or whatever? Blah blah blah. That that's being said all around this country. Well, stupidly, that's not, that's stupid, not what. Okay, yeah. okay. So let's let's move it. Let's move yeah. it out. The context. The, there was an agreed on context with respect to this, these comments. And that agreed on context was in the public square demonstrating or, or um, raising these issues against the individuals who, uh, who were the, you know, the targets of these, of these protests and, and doing it in the public square that is out in public, either in a group or as an individual. And, and then in some cases, Harvard, for example, Physically assaulting, and by assault I mean putting somebody in fear. Well, of that's harm. well, that's seriously over the top. There's no doubt on that. Well, well, but that's that's like I said. I agree with you. Context is important, but but in some cases it it or context is relevant, but in some cases it doesn't matter because the because the language and the and the behavior is so egregious that if you do that anywhere, you know, other in the in the in the scope of this discussion. If you're in the public square screaming "Death to the Jews," 
gas well, and that's, juice. Oh, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a huge problem. Then, then, then you're you're. Or if you're, you if you, or if you cost somebody while he's walking along minding his own business, right. that's a problem. And, and so, and so, Harvard, MIT, Penn, all of these schools, you know, with the exception maybe of the University of Chicago, but but Northwestern, Stanford, all of these schools have already established a bar for enforcing their speech codes. And the idea was their speech codes were going to be enforced if, you know, they have had, they, all these schools have codes of, of conduct. If you engage in certain types of conduct, you know, it that's prohibited. All of these schools had set the bar very, very low because they said, if you say words to hurt people's feelings, if you're out there saying, I'm not going to use your pronouns, if you tell somebody, uh, and, and it's all done in the, this is all done in the context of a progressive agenda. That's where these, that's where the bar was set. If you don't use somebody's pronouns, if you if you were to walk around saying, you know, I, I think homosexuality is a mental illness or trans uh, uh, transgender issues reflect a mental illness, if you say stuff like that, you were going you were disciplined by those schools. Okay, so that's the bar. That well, if, set. If, see, if you and, and this, by the way, this, I don't, I don't let, agree let me, with that me, part about the uh, you know. Pardon me. I don't, I don't agree with the part about the um, mental illness. But if somebody were to write. But, a Th- paper. This is, it doesn't no, matter whether you agree with it. This is the no, bar. No, my, what I'm saying is, if somebody were to write a paper and and put his point of view across, even though I don't agree with it, I don't. I think you should have sort of the freedom to do that. You don't. You don't get to jump in somebody's you, you, face. You did not. It. You did not have the freedom to do that at these schools, okay? And and so, and so they had said, if you if you say stuff like this, we're going to discipline you. Okay. But if you say stuff like death to the Jews. Or we should eliminate the state of Israel and everybody in it, or Jews should go back to Europe or Moscow, um, or Jews are engaged in genocide and and need to be need to be you know sanctioned for that. If you say stuff like that, nothing was going to happen. Well, to you. The, so that's, that's what, that, that's what I'm that trying was, to get here. Is it, are, the hypocrisy is dramatic. It appears that's and, and that so so here's where this was going. Stefanik, the congresswoman who is the, I mean, other congresspeople did this, but she's, she's the star because she's a Republican and she's a very conservative Republican. And this really is a, plays into one of the reasons why the Harvard people are, uh, and I think, I suppose MIT people are saying we can't, we can't let her go because we can't back down to a conservative Republican. Um, that's a factor. Yeah, what about but, the part of Steph- cheat, cheat hold, hold on. Yeah. But Stefanik, let me finish this yeah. point, though. Stefanik, Stefanik's questions were actually aimed at the hypocrisy because what she was trying, what she assumed they were going to say when she said, is it against your speech code for people to say, you know, I, I call for the destruction of the Jewish state and, and the Jews are engaged in, you know, in uh, genocide and, and we need to eliminate all the Jews from the Middle East. Is it against your speech code to say that? And what she expected was either a yes, it is, it is against our speech code, and then the response, why don't you enforce it? Or no, it's not against our speech code, and then you call out the hypocrisy. Then why is it against your speech code for people to just say, I don't want to call you they, uh, because you're a singular person. So it was one of those, one of those rare situations in a, in a cross-examination 
where you don't care what the witness's answer is. But what she didn't expect, and, and, and I mean, the answer is no, it's not against our speech code. She, she, I mean, she didn't expect that answer, you know, because, because that, was, that would be a stupid answer. And yet that's what she got in, in the sense that they were talking about context. I, I think that was the Penn president or, you know, we don't gay who would not say it was against the, the speech code. And, and, and Stefanik, frankly, as I understand her interview, just went, what, what? Yeah. And then just took that and beat him over the head with it. On the other hand, had, had they said, yes, it's against our speech code. The response, the response is then why aren't you enforcing it? Because you're not and beat him over the head with that. Well, what, what enforcement does a college really have? Well, I mean, I, Oh, they can suspend. Okay, they can expel. They can they, they and that's and that's what they did. Right now, as, as usual, these students. Your 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 testimony brings up a gazillion other questions because it's usually it's it's deep. What you what you way you talk. I, now, in my opinion, and this is one man's opinion, if somebody were to trace, say for instance, the the land given to Israel originally, and the land now, and if you were to trace. The history of how it's bigger. Let's say I'm not, you know, this is that, and you were to go through a whole routine and say, here's here's a well thought out paper of why Palestinians are pissed off. Okay, mm-hmm. now that to me would maybe add to the dialogue to a certain extent because it, sure. it's, it's just a history piece of paper. It says, okay, here's why these guys are pissed off because here's where they are, oh, here's where can, they were. You can you can find that. You can find. I'm, that sure, I'm saying, but if somebody there. were to write that. I don't think that should. I think these people think that some people think that should be banned, but I don't think that should be banned. Yet this idea of—I guess I have, have to ask you a question. I, I'm very naive on this because at Notre Dame there was none of this stuff, and Father Hesper would never put up with anything like this. There is, there is now. Okay, but I'm saying what what has been the what was the history of these? I'll use the term waspish, highbrow schools during the 20s and 30s. Were they anti-Jewish then? Were they pro-Nazi? I mean, oh yeah, though no, they were they were definitively anti-Jewish because 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 they were anti-immigrant, and and they were riding the they were riding the the end of the wave of anti-Eastern European immigration sentiment that developed in the late night in the middle and late nineteenth century in the United States. When did they start and letting course, Jewish kids in in Harvard? Or? Well, well, so this this is where it gets interesting. So um, they were actively taking steps to discriminate again and you got to remember you know harvard yale princeton in the 1920s and 1930s were old good old boy clubs oh yeah they were all male they were they were not particularly academically you know terrific they they were they were private you know elite private schools with that were connected much like they are now. And but everybody they came, not, from, they came not, from, a, from a boarding school? or a lot of Right. They were not Exeter and places like that. They were not uh, Choate and all that. They were not, um, you know, they were not academic powerhouses. The academic powerhouses in the 1920s and 1930s were in Germany, you know, and in Europe. They were not in the United States. So, so what happened was we got an influx, a significant influx following the the pogroms in uh, in uh, Russia and and as Europe started to get crazy after World War One, you had a lot of, Ger- of uh, East European and and German uh, Jewish immigration into the United States. Well, didn't, we, didn't we end up with like seven Jewish Nobel Prize winners in the thirties from Germany? Yes, 
Yes. And these so these guys get these guys get into get into the country and they and they do what you know this particular population does really well. They they take over academically. The culture and, and you know Jewish culture has always been very very pro academic and, and very pro study. And, well, and doubt, so and so and so this add this to the fact that you've got a, a potentially and I we can debate this at another point. But but Ashkenazi, the Ashkenazi Jewish group as a genetic genetically defined group, typically runs an IQ somewhere between fifteen and twenty points higher than the average population. And so you've got that group coming into the United States. They are smarter than all get out. Wait a minute, and, we're better and, than the Southside Irish? Yes. Yes. Oh, oh, yes. Even better even better than even better than the you know, the the Western Germans. Um, very, very smart, very, very motivated. With with you know all the immigrant energy that 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 brings with it, and they come in here and they start they start penetrating into our into our schools because they're academically terrific, and and the Ivies started to work on excluding them. They're like the Asians. They're were like not, the, they were like the Asians now. Yeah, and so and so one of the reasons that the for example standardized tests came into play, you know the SAT and and American College testing and all that started to to surface in the in, in this time frame was because this was a way that the this was a, a, a means of getting academically talented merit-based people into your program without having to deal with the with all the other uh, ridiculousness about what religion they were because if they were if, if the scores were were race blind and and so and, and religious blind you you just you took the test and if you did great on the test and the tests have proved to be ever for decades and decades the best single predictor of academic success in a college. Um, these tests allowed colleges to just bring these these kids in, and and so without without worrying about you know what what they looked like or what their culture was or whatever. So so that push started in the in the twenties and thirties, and and it was designed, I mean mainly as in, in response to the direct exclusion of Jews from these. From these programs, and and so, I'm I'm not saying that I'm, people reach back to that and say, you know, they, the Ivies have always had this history. The Ivies, the Ivy, this what's happening right now on campus is not related to discrimination against Jews in the 1920s and 1930s. What what's happening on campus right now is the result of of the critical theory movement and and um, intersectionality. Getting a foothold in academia, and being reinforced by by the very progressive uh, faculties in these places, and and this is being taught to students, and then a huge influx, as as Victor Davis Hanson has noted, a huge influx of foreign students who do not share American values, and are not you know are, are see see the world in this you know oppressor oppressed worldview. They they are not. Well, I mean, the, the, when, when you the Jews, the Jews you for a lot of the, for a lot of these kids, you know, we talked about this last week. You know, gutter pumping five hundred million bucks into into Penn's uh, endowment. Well, don't you think that um, the difference that there's a we got to go to break here? Don't you think there's a a slight difference at the state of Illinois with the uh, University of Illinois with pick a number two hundred uh, Chinese kids paying full board with those two hundred kids. That, Maybe should be from Illinois or now in Indiana, Wisconsin, because they pay them less and boot them out. Sure, it's going to make a difference on campus. Sure, it is. 
So, so you've got this this huge influx of, of people coming in from you know places where where you know it's okay to be an anti semite, <clears throat> and in fact, in fact, some of their of their uh, religious teachings encourage it. So, you've got you've got this all this stuff boiling into these into these campuses. The the concern, and and this is again as a, as a lawyer, a trial lawyer who goes in and, and does the kind of things that you saw Stefanik do with these with these three presidents. Um, I was I was astounded at how badly these people were able to uh, were able to respond to these questions. Well maybe but, they're just not qualified for the job. They got it for other reasons. You you think? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, I mean it's, we've got it's the, we've got now. a mayor. We, we, we got a mayor here. We oh, this is this is yeah. this is up and down the chain. This is this I mean, is all I mean, over the I, place. Th- there's a there's a line of discussion going on in some parts of social media that what you're seeing with, for example, Gay, who's the president of Harvard, who's now turned out to apparently have, have significantly plagiarized or uh, portions of of her um, of her dissertations and, and publications. Um, you know the the, the response uh, in, from a bunch of people is, you know, this is a this was a f- an affirmative action hire. She was hired because of her gender, because of her race, and and we the people making these decisions just ignored all the other stuff because the most important thing for them was not whether she was particularly smart or good or whatever. Um, it, she met some minimum standard, obviously, but but whether she was whether she was a a different race and a, and a different gender. Well, let's and, uh, dash you off the I, break here. We get because I mean, because she just was reaffirmed by the board. What two days ago? SB Futures up sixteen. Nasdaq oh, yeah. up oh, seventy-one. Before you guys go, I found the name of the law firm that prepped all three. Uh, it was Wilmer Hale. Wilmer I know Hale, him well. Yeah. <laughs> well. They didn't do a very good job. Doesn't appear. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. So, uh, are you going to go with the lump of coal here, Greg? Or are you going to go with the illegally cut pine? Uh, coal. What's coal? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Coal is fossil fuel, baby. Yeah. Oh God, big ass lump of coal. We'll be right back, stacks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com/jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, Stocks stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right now, right here, right now, right now. Lone Opex, Tyson Jacks, time to mount. Great Pappas on the board. <clears throat> SP Futures up 16, NASDAQ Futures up 67. Those are the March contracts. We, the Decembers go off the board. Uh, is it today or the tomorrow? Um, right? we, we roll the Decembers off. 
I think they, they open tomorrow and that's it, right? They just open and that's it? The December futures, I believe. Uh, but we'll, we'll confirm on that. Over in Europe, we had a record day yesterday for those who have, might have been asleep somewhere. DAX today up 92.6%. Puts up 133. That's almost 2%. 1.8. It's a big rally. Kick around up 86. 1.1%. Renasia, Nikkei down 240.7. Hang Seng up 173. That's a full percentage, but still 16,402. And Shanghai can't get up either. It's a, a down 10. 29.58. So those guys are not, not bouncing there at all. Yesterday, big rally. Dow at a new record high, up 512 to 37,090. S&P up 63. NASDAQ up 200. So it was a, it was a huge day to the upside. Um, if you had a stock that was down yesterday, you had the wrong stock. Uh, Ten-year, under 4%, 3.94. I, uh, I'll go into it when Dan's here, what I think of this this Fed. But I, I this is, to me, it's disgusting. But that's another thing. The bun down, eight, but why is it disgusting? Is it random? My, my clients had huge days, so that part's not disgusting. But uh I think they're ignoring an awful lot of people in this country, but they don't seem to care about that. The bun down 8 basis points, 2.09. Japan down 2 basis points, 0.67. Oil up a buck 26, 70, 73. Back, it's, oil's rallying, but still, it's, it's, it's in the you know, very low 70s. Brand of a buck 34, 75, 60. Natural gas unchanged, 234. Now, here's the, here's the shot. Gold up 53 bucks, 2,050. Okay. It ran up yesterday afternoon, but it's, you know, the, that was after the future closed, I believe. But this, because this was kind of here yesterday on the uh, on the GDX and stuff. Silver up a dollar forty, twenty four thirty two. Copper up eleven cents, three eighty nine. So all of our metal stuff yesterday, all the people we have in metals, and some people even have in some of the copper companies, had a, had a massive day. So uh, today was a yesterday was a good day for all concerned on this end. A uh, Bitcoin up four thirty two. It's full one percent, forty three thousand two eleven. The U.S. dollar. Is getting hammered. Uh, the, the euro is up to over 109.3, and uh, the British pound is like almost a percentage point move, 127.2. So the dollar going flying down. That's why gold and the rest of these things are flying up. It's all about relationship of your currency. Uh, Greg, what do you have for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Morning, everyone. 6:39 here in Chicago. 35 degrees right now. 49 today. Mostly sunny. Phoenix, 43 degrees now. 69 today. Sunny and pleasant. Traffic inbound Kennedy from Montrose, nine minutes. Inbound Edens from Lake Cook, 22 minutes. Ike from Wolf is 20 minutes. The inbound Ryan is 18 minutes from 95th to the interchange. And the Stevenson from 294 to the Ryan is about 20 minutes. NBA, Nets beat the Suns, 116 to 112. Tonight, the Chargers take on the Raiders. And uh, let's see, Raiders are favored by about three. Probably going to be a terrible game, low scoring, but we'll watch it anyway. So as, I got as long as you can bet on it, what's the, uh, what's the difference? Yep, and some fantasy implications too. Hopefully not too many, though. These teams aren't great. The uh, Lou, just as, a, as a, I'm digging through here, just as a, uh, as, a as a leadership moment, was a, as a, uh, just a view on this, the school leadership on Harvard, they have something called a, there's what, there's a board of overseers, right? Um, and the uh, and then there's then there's in, in, um, then there's the uh, Harvard Corporation, which is actually the internal group, right? That, that actually hires and fires people. On known formally as the President and Fellows of Harvard College, the Harvard Corporation is the oldest corporation in the Western Hemisphere. Um, now the members; these are the people that actually are the. There's a board of overseers, which is a big one. Okay. 
You know, look at the look at the people on here. Look at the egos on here. Uh, you know who's on, on this board is Penny Pritzker. I did not know that. Yep. Did you? That's why. That's why Gay is not going to get fired. And there's, there, look at look, look at the group. Uh, Karen Gordon Mills, Diana. I'm going to say these people are of immense egos. Okay. That I just from my from my experience on the the uh, board of the CBOE. And by the way, we had a pretty good board. We had a I thought we had a really good chairman, but you know he wasn't perfect. Nobody is. And uh, if ever hey, any hey, hey, not just not so fast. Well, just just saying. Uh, <laughs> whenever you, if the if the board picked somebody, okay, they they maybe went out and had and had. Of course, you're not going to do this yourself. You're going to go out and get a search committee. And you're going to pay some people a gazillion dollars to come in and tell you this is the person, or these are the two people, or whatever it is. You know, you're, you're going to minimize this yourself because. Even though it's your job, the first thing you want to do is hire the most expensive law firm and say, hey, I hired Lou. He recommended this guy. You know, what do you want me to do? I hired the best. I paid the most. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's such BS on any, any sort of blue-collar level that it, you, you wouldn't even understand it if you've never been in one. But by and large, if you say the person you put in office a year ago is a chump, for lack of a better term, it, it is it's like you stuck an arrow up the ass of everybody on that board. Because they're yep. going, wait a minute, I, I picked them. I'm, I'm the, I'm the brightest. I have the biggest ego on, on God's earth. It's how, like how the, could it's I like possibly? The GMs on, it's like the general managers on draft day. Yeah, how could I possibly pick a chump? Because yep. I, because I've never picked a chump in my life. And by the way, I'm the smartest person that I know. So you've got ten of these people sitting in a room. So the idea is, okay, now your, your, your person is leaking a little. <laughs> so I'll use that term. The idea of this group saying. We all made a mistake. They're not. They're not traitors. Now, traitors are not. You know, I'm not saying they're the best people on earth. But traitors learn early to look in the mirror and say, "Boy, I was long yesterday. I got. I was short, and I got a shovel where the sun don't shine." These people. Did they ever make a mistake, Lou? These people that are in these positions. They never do. So here now. Now here they're faced with a possibility that they have a clunker on their hands. Maybe well, they should look closer. They've got. It's, it's not just a possibility. They do. She performed terribly at that at that hearing. So but it's, but it's no not question. just that. It's it's leading up to the meeting. Why had the meeting in the first place? Well, right. that's right. But see, but see, and again, nobody's nobody's pointing out the fact, for example, that that she had she presided over a program that the U.S. Supreme Court said was a discriminatory program that not only violated, uh, you know the uh, the Constitution, the Fourteenth Amendment of the Constitution, you would expect her to be able to recognize that, but also violated Title Six. That's what I'm saying. This is not this is not Civil Rights Act. It's not a perfect tenure with with a bad ten minutes in front of Congress. Is what I'm trying to no. say. No. Well, well, but yes, it is. That's that's. But, but, saying, that's but it wasn't a perfect tenure. Stuff. It wasn't a perfect tenure. I mean, she had, she hasn't been good when she's been no, there. Trust me. There's nobody on that board. Nobody on that board that gave two hoots about the fact that Harvard had been discriminating and violating federal law and the, and the U.S. Constitution in its, in its activities. Nobody on that board gave two hoots about the fact that she presided over that, just like nobody gave two hoots about the fact that she presided over a diversity, equity, and inclusion office that was pulling in kids who, who used the wrong pronoun or, or the wrong term when they were going to throw a party on base or on uh, on uh, campus, uh, the the 
you, the the rot, the intellectual rot here, goes way deeper than even you or I think. By the way, every, every I just noticed this, Lou. I don't know if you knew this or not. It's very rare that I can trump the trump the Lou. There's only one person on this whatever group this is that is not a graduate of Harvard, either either graduate or undergrad. The only yeah. person is somebody named Biddy Martin, who actually graduated from the University of Wisconsin. How the hell did they get? Did she get in there? Biddy. What a great name. What a yeah. what a what a muffy Biddy. Oh, yeah. Stacy, they're all they're all out of the same. Biddy Martin and Penny Pritzker were, were put on like a couple years ago. Biddy Martin and so, Penny Pritzker will be outstanding new members of the corporation. Said William Lee, the corporation's senior fellow and chair of its governance. Biddy is an exceptionally powerful exponent of liberal arts education as well as college access and inclusion. Yep. And she has remarkable leadership experience at three of the company's, country's finest institutions of higher education. Penny will bring an extraordinary range and depth of experience plus some money. <laughs> Just say, I, I shouldn't editorialize like that, but I did. Sorry. Um, so there you go. Well, well so, so, I mean, the, any, in any event, you're right about the board saying we're, we're going to go, this is our, our person, and we're going to sink, sink or swim with them. What is astounding to me is how much damage the leadership is willing to do to Harvard's reputation with the rest of the country. And, and, you know, with, with but again, they, these people live in a bubble, so maybe they don't see it. But the damage they're willing to do to Harvard's reputation as an academic institution by allowing a president, a senior administration official, to continue after it's been discovered how much um, questionable activity there was in her resume. That's number one. Number two... It's and it's not. It's this is this isn't. You know, if you're an employment lawyer, you're you're going to the board and saying, okay, so now we know about this plagiarism issue, which appears to be pretty much cut and dried. In in almost half, so far, almost half of the very limited dissertations or limited publications that she's that she's done. But let's also take a look at the overall record. We have the Supreme Court case, which which paints us as a bunch of bigots and anti-Asian, discriminating against Asians. We have the, um, I think she was presiding when Ronald Fry was run out of town on a rail. He was their, one of their most uh, academically uh, talented African-American law professors who who had the temerity at a request for help to sign on to the defense team of uh, Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein. They ran him out. On right. That. Oh, yeah. You have a you have a female uh, researcher, very well thought of professor of uh, genetics and something else, I think, who in 2000, uh, 2015 or so uh, signed on a paper saying that that sex is binary. You have a this is a, that she was she was forced to resign under under Gay's watch. You have sex is binary. I'm, what do you? There are men and men, men and women, and then there there are exceptions. Well, if you, well, well, if you want to have if you want to have kids, there's men and women. Well, if you it, sex sex is a biological condition and it's binary. It's not multifaceted. Right. I would you're, agree. You're, you're either genetically male or you're genetically female, and if if not, there's something wrong with you. That's the sex is you've got a you've got a some kind of issue, um, and and that's the sex is binary position, and and she. I mean, it's in a, it's a, she's at least got biology on her side. 
I mean, it's a defensible, certainly a defensible position, but it's not part of the the, the no. Harvard narrative. So, so she got run out of town on the rail. Um, you've presided over all of this, you know, and and in addition to in addition to a variety of things that Harvard has done to its students, and and so at some point as an employment lawyer, you come in and say, you guys need to really rethink this what, what because it, why does anybody? I mean, I. This is going to sound like a stupid question, but it, it really isn't. I don't think. Why does anybody think they can control any of these people? They get more money than God. I mean, why, 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 why can't I walk into the University of Illinois or Wisconsin or Ohio State and say, "You bleeps are discriminating against people from your own state because they don't pay as much, and taking people from other states because they pay more"? Well, I don't know what kind of. That's not based on religion or color, but good Lord. I mean, yeah. it's, it's exactly opposite of why people pay taxes in the state they're in, isn't it? Or, that, and yet they all that, do it. That's right. Well, and, and so for Penn and, and, and MIT, well, MIT, is MIT, MIT, I think, is a public university. But, but or may, no, MIT's private. But for Penn, that, that's in Illinois and places like that, that that's, a, that's an issue. Um, for Harvard, which is private, and MIT, which are private, which is private, it, it's less of a it's well, less who, of a. But who should, who gover- it's, my question is, it's really I have, I'm as usual stumbling around getting there. Who the hell is in charge of Harvard? I guess is my question. Nobody, except them. Yes, this, the this endowments corporation. in charge. Well, Greg says the endowments in charge, but I mean, some somebody, but I mean, there isn't really anybody. This no, group. it's the it's the corporation that 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 runs the school. They hire, they fire, they approve, uh, they spend the money. They are, they're out there fundraising, but they pick their own um, people. And now, Greg, yeah. but Greg, Greg raises an interesting question. So, so this is another angle on this story. You've got people like uh, Bill Ackman, the guy we talked about last week. That that you don't, you apparently know Chief or don't care for that much or know something about him. I, I don't. I don't, I don't like the idea that I have to. This is a personal shot, Lou. I don't like the idea that I have to take continuing education and and listen to the people from Finra telling me. If I so much as say something to somebody in a bar about I like IBM or something, that's considered a recommendation. And if somebody acts on it, they can come after me. And yet, this bleep can take a huge position in a stock, go on TV for 45 minutes, and tell people how they should... Oh, you okay. Know, you know, I, 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 I got it. All right. Yeah. Um, uh, well, anyway, you've got... You've, what you're seeing with, with Ackman and his, his folks, his people of his ilk... Um, is is really kind of a um, you know an, an IPO type strategy where where they are going at because using money and this goes to Greg's point the endowment you're not you we're, we're about to find out Greg whether the endowment these endow- the endowment specifically the people who give the money to the endowment um, we're about to find out how much um, how much influence they have Ackman I think got got the president of Penn run out and he he targeted she was one of the ones he targeted but he's going after Harvard and he he's going after gay so the question now is you know they the the the, the board the corporation ignored him basically said we're not we're not backing down and I I do think uh, the huge factor here is that it was Elise Stefanik who made gay look bad and and Stefanik is a as I said a conservative Republican now I'm not. A, I don't. I don't think Congress has any particular business wearing these these university presidents on what's going on on their campuses. I'll, I'll, bet, I'll bet you have well over 
in terms of money, well over half the money goes is in Harvard's coffers of some conservative people. Um, yeah, I don't know, um, I, I, and I don't care. I, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm just not a fan. I'm not a fan of of Congress doing this. But if you show up, you've got to do a better job than these people did, and and they can't. The the people at Harvard, the leadership there, the leadership at MIT. Uh, all progressives, all coming out of this academic bubble world of culture, they can't stand the fact that it was a conservative Republican who made well, their well, they also look also, and I'll, I'll tell you this from uh, uh, even being, being like I say, Notre Dame is relatively benign on this, but one thing they're not benign on, and nobody is, if you give them money, they want that money totally unencumbered. They don't want you d- directing it to this place or that place or this professor. I'll give you an example. They have all these clubs. I mean, every every university has clubs in pretty much every city, right? Especially if you're a big enough place. The Notre Dame Club of Chicago, which I was on the board for a while, um, is by far the biggest club, the most powerful club. So powerful, in fact, that they the money that they make, you know, during you know different golf outings and all that stuff, they use to enhance the scholarships from kids from the Chicago area. They don't just write the university a check. So if ever you want to see a love-hate relationship between two groups of people, it's the university and the club of Chicago, only because they keep their money independently and don't just write the check to the university. But if you walk in there and you say, I want to give you $20 million bucks," okay, fine, put that in a general endowment fund. No, 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 no. I want, a, I want two law school endowments of professors, and I want Lou to be the guy that picks them for the next couple of years or whatever. If... if if you try and get out of that, just give us the money and we'll do whatever we damn well please with it. Now, Ackman is starting, what he's doing to Harvard is he's rattling that cage. He's saying, yep. there's, there's money coming in here, but by the way, it has some strings to it, you idiots. If you, if you act like this, I, want it, I either want it back or we're, or we're going to take control of the board or something. And they, that 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 absolutely is a fart in church, Lou. It absolutely is for, the, for these people. Well, yeah, and so, and so now we're going to see, we're going to see how you know, typical kind of IPO monetary tactics work in this kind of in this kind of situation. And if I'm Ackman, I am I you know, he's a Harvard undergrad and and um, business degree. If I'm Ackman, I'm I'm teeing up to go after to go after Harvard, to go after the board, and to go after the corporation and to and to damage the endowment and it, well, and because he's he allegedly has given him money. Possible. He's given him a lot of money, and now they're not acting in a way that he thinks they should act. Well, well, I, and 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 you know that that's the whole point. I mean, I mean, you can't, you you know this. You can't take money from somebody. I mean, I mean, the schools aren't aren't going to. They they have to listen to these people. Um, gonna, I'm going to say they're set up. Money, they have to listen. They're to they're set up as far as 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 best they can be, Lou, to not have to listen to them. I know, I know, but the short answer is. If these guys come in and shut down giving, then then it has immediate effects. So so one of the immediate effects, and and I want I can't stay late today, so I have to right. run. But one of the immediate effects of this has been the reduction uh, in the donation required to guarantee your kid a slot in the school. So it used to be that the going rate for a guaranteed admission for your kid at at a place like that was twenty million dollars. It's now been dropped to two, according to a report that I read, uh, that solicited or that discussed the the issue with uh, uh, registrars and recruiters. So, so that 
and that that's a you know that's a ninety percent. Well, well you know how these these places are. They Notre Dame's the same way. They call it differently, <clears throat> but they're you you can be if you're a donor a donor, you can be on the board of Notre Dame if you, if if you if you do some stuff for them, maybe you interview kids, you do some. These guys these this is the board board. There's also something called the board of overseers, which is a whole bunch of people that just donate. It can say they're on Harvard's board, but I bet they right. don't even know the budget. One of well, my buddies. Well, I'm just. I'm yeah. just. My, my point. My point is, this is having a direct impact. You're seeing a 90 percent drop in the in the money that's being that that is necessary and that they would count on. Some of us revenue stream that they would count on for for admissions. You know, a certain number of those admissions are going to be bought. Okay. Well, if there's a 90 percent drop in the going rate for those admissions, that tells you something about what's happening at the school. And and I I think. The, the, so that that's one issue. So they also might have so much money, Lou. They don't even want to do that anymore. It, it 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 might that might happen, but it's having a direct impact on how the school is, is being funded and the and the funding. The other thing that's really interesting, and again, my employment lawyer had is showing here, is you know you're gonna who's gonna fire? You're gonna fire the next Harvard professor for plagiarism? You're gonna expel some student for plagiarism? I'm gonna say she the would. President of the school. From, from people who feel they're entitled, they're not just all. <laughs> You know, women are not just all black. People feel they're entitled. Entitled to? They have no problem doing something like that. Uh, I, it, uh, that's that's why that's why that case will go to court, Chief. I mean, I mean now now let's say let's say you're some professor and you plagiarize something. There's at least two cases that I'm aware of at Harvard that are ongoing right now. You're you're being terminated for plagiarism, okay? For for dishonesty in your dissertation. They find out about it. We're going to fire you. You stand up and say you can't fire me. Because you're, you because you're not doing this to me because I plagiarized something or I was dishonest. You're doing this to me because I'm a white male or whatever. However, I'm different from President Gay because you um, didn't fire her. Nobody knows more about prosecutorial license than you do. Yeah. Well, so so I mean that that opens that opens the door to all kinds of issues. But I, I again, it's much more important that they not be seen as getting their uh, heads handed to them by a conservative Republican congresswoman than than it is to maintain their standards what? of academic integrity and everything else. Okay, I, I, by the way, I, I, as you know, we only got a minute here, Lou, and you got a dash, but you, you know I'm with you on this, but if you if you put on your, your you get, we're going to get you the five five-year brick of soap. <clears throat> In five years, who cares? I mean, Harvard's still going to be... We'll find out. We'll find out, but I'm saying these places have... You know they're they're pretty they, they hang in there pretty good, bud, don't they? They they're, they'll they'll hang they'll hang in for a while. Do you but, think? But uh, let, let me tell you what's let me tell you what's gonna what's teeing up. What's teeing up is a never-ending chain of lawsuits that that are starting to tee up against these institutions for the way they've been conducting themselves over the past ten years, and and it's gonna it's gonna hurt. Um, so what's the what is in thirty seconds or less? I asked a question earlier, and it's probably a dumb question, but maybe it's not so dumb. In a private institution, who do they who do they answer to? They'll they'll answer they'll answer to the state attorney generals who will bring Title Six or Title Seven cases against them. They'll they'll answer to to attorney generals who will or uh, private groups who will challenge them under the Fourteenth Amendment to the Constitution if they're public institutions. But they're not. They yes, think they, they are. Pen so, Pen is. But what? Okay. But what about you know? 
Texas some place down down Berkeley is. But what about some place down south? Liberty College. They only in born again Christians or what the hell they do. Oh, Liberty Liberty College is a, Liberty College is a different run. So Liberty College doesn't take a Fourteenth Amendment hit. They get hit under Title Six of the of the Sixty Four okay. Civil Rights Act. Right. So everybody's you can't just do whatever you want, no matter who you are. Basically, everybody's covered. Okay. Well, that, that, okay. that's good to know. That's why I asked the question. <laughs> All right. All right, Talk take care of yourself, week, buddy. Okay? SB Futures up 15, NASDAQ Futures up 66. Be right back, Mr. Dan Janitas. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Here's the thing. If you can't spot the sucker in your first half hour at the table, then you are the sucker. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Hello, welcome back, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tim Allen. Uh, we got Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 15. The SP Futures up 61. Do we have uh, the Professor Dan Janitas? I'm here. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> You're have to put your uh, your uh, referee ca- costume on today here um, because I debating. By the way, do you, do you have any brothers and sisters? One of each. Do you ever do you ever agree with anyone? On any, either one of them ever agree with you on anything? <laughs> I'm I'm the middle child, but I'm from a family of lawyers, so uh, they usually win the arguments. <laughs> yeah, I, I try I try not to get into uh, arguments uh, with them. Um. <laughs> well, we we're I was debating my bro, and uh, by the way, the best one of the best people that's ever lived. He's the president of PTI Securities. Does a great job. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. you've met yeah. Dan, and but the yeah. we're, we're we're discussing. The, the chairman's speech yesterday, and I, I of course, am absolutely livid, being the monetarist that I am. Uh, and, and Dan was convinced everything. And I, I, I went to the, you know, you've been in the series cafe at our table once in a while, and uh, back in those days when the people in the Federal Reserve actually used to show up to work, they all nobody shows up for work anymore. They all work from home or, or do something from home. And uh, one of the guys, I was talking about the CPI. Right, and he says, "Well, you know, you can't go into a Fed meeting and say you don't believe any of the stuff people put on the table that's done by another government agency. It's not you, you can't do that." And I, obviously, I've been in board meetings and stuff, and no, you, you you can't really do that. Yet, there comes a time when you can't get in front of people and quote the number 
that only only a you know a two a two month old beagle would think would think are correct. And somehow, and I and I don't know the. I mean, like you know, my brother says, what do you expect the guy to do? Get on TV and criticize the CPI thing? No, I don't. But I also know you can't you can't keep tossing this. You know the 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 you know we're going to have our PCE come in at two point three. First of all. There isn't a soul on earth that can find any of the detail on the PC. It's it's a made up number by them or somebody, and but I mean I'm looking at the the CPI here and I'm looking at uh, rent of primary residence last year at six point nine percent. The year before I think it was like seven and a half. Yeah, and yet every every you know place that does surveys of rent, not in 2023 but in 2022 or 2021, had rent up over 20 percent, and yet these guys are coming in at six. At some point, you become a moron if you look at, if, if you believe it. I mean, I, I, and I don't know where the point is. I mean, I don't know. I certainly wouldn't be popular at the meeting, but I also know I can't just believe this crap day after day and tell other people it's true when I know it's not. I mean, I, I don't know the middle ground there, and obviously I'm over the over the edge on my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, no, I I I uh, I hear what you're saying, and I, and I totally agree that the. You know, it's interesting. My take on all this is that, and, and, and you know this from having been in the business for so long, as investors, we're, we're you know, paid and, and we do well when we don't follow the crowd, we don't follow the herd. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people have bought or are drinking the Kool-Aid of, of these numbers. It's not, it's not, uh, and, and it's, you know, it's the Fed as well, but it's, it's a lot of other investors and strategists and and frankly, I've just gotten tired of listening to the, you know, the same rhetoric about you know inflation coming down and and you know not without really getting specifics. It's to me, it's very important to get data and, and and break that data down and tell us what you're you're you know specifically you're looking at. And I would agree with you on the housing. I mean, it you know just looking around here. Rents have skyrocketed and they continue to go up. It's true with most of the Northeast. It's true with uh, most of South Florida. We we aren't seeing any break. Um, now the acceleration has possibly slowed down. The acceleration and and prices price increases has has probably slowed down. But that's not the same thing. And nor does it mean that there's this disinflation which they're they're alluding to as well. So. I think having a lot, having seen a lot more of the specifics of these numbers is really important. And if you keep xing out food, that means that when you go to Publix and you see that everything, you know, all the prices are higher than they were last week, um, a little hard to do that. And, and if you x out, I understand xing out energy to a certain degree because energy prices are very volatile. And we can be in a period where we are right now where gas prices have come down because energy prices have come down. But then all of a sudden we could have a shift in, you know, because there is a fair amount of supply out there on the oil side, um, but we could have a shift and, and there could be a, an increase in um, oil prices as well. So that there's a certain amount of volatility that we can't take out. I don't think we can be conclusive the way the Fed in the way the strategists were yesterday it's like everybody wants a, to have a nice holiday season and that's understandable but you can't just say everything got wrapped up nicely at the end of the year without really understanding all the statistics because as you're saying chief and i and i agree with you if you just look around at, at, at what's going on i don't see this you know inflation coming down 
in any major way. I don't see as, as much price stability as, um, you know, certainly we have more than we did last year in the last couple of years, and that it's good that we're moving in that direction. But I don't see the data to support it. I don't see the facts and figures and the specifics. I, I'd like to hear specific stories of, of you know, whether it be talking about individuals and how they've been impacted and maybe talking, giving a few um, cases or talking about specific products and services. If you were, to, if you were to take a, uh, a couple of people with you um, and go to 15 bars tonight, not that any of us could go to 15 bars, and interview people and ask them the definition of what dif- disinflation is, how many people do you think know what the hell it means? Not none. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a new, it's a new word. That, right. It's a new word that, for those, I'm sure, listeners, for the, the, the definition is it's a decrease in the rate of inflation. It's a decrease in, the, in how fast prices are going up. It does not yes. mean, it, but, it, but it's, it leads people to think, and I'm going to say most people, 90% of people would say it means prices are coming down. It does not mean that. It absolutely does not mean that, but it's used all day long in a, in a, in a texture, or whatever the term would be, to, of which means the prices are coming down. And, it's, and they're not. That's not what it, that, that, it's not what it means. De- right, and deflation. And it's, very much, and it's very much the way, um, you know, I, 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 I heard, listen to Powell's speech very carefully. I listen to the questions very carefully. Um, I listen to the wrap-up very carefully. And it's, it's very much, and also just, to, you know, hearing and talking to a number of other strategists, it's very much the impression that it gives investors and consumers and you know, people who aren't in our industry, and you know, there's very few people who really understand the dynamics of of inflation and economics. Is very, very, very few. Um, and the 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 rhetoric and the way this was this is being um, forecast, or the the way it's being broadcasted to to people in terms of what's going to happen in the future now is that we have this rosy picture to look at, and that you know, I think the Fed is trying to pat themselves on the back. I think to a certain degree they've done the right things, but at the same time, we you know we need a lot more time, and we need to see we need to see more stability still, um, and we need to see more specifics. We're not getting specifics; we're getting people blindly following this news without having the data to support it. Well, Dan, he addressed for maybe ten seconds. The, I mean, to me, and again, um, feel free to disagree. To me, the issue right now is not inflation it's the incredible price bubble that happened in a two-year period when they poured 40 percent more money into the system the price bubble has a significant percentage of your population gagging for lack of a better term if not eviscerated and it it has taken people's if you had money in the bank the money's worth so much less it it has changed the life of i'm going to say 75 percent of your population to to a degree that we've never seen other than maybe the Depression. And he mentioned yesterday, for one, one second, he says, well, you know, we still have this, this basically uh, price level problem that we really are, have not addressed and probably won't, and that's just, you know, tough toenails, said the kitty. And I, I, to me, that's a little, that's a little harsh. I, I, don't, I don't know that if I was in his shoes, I would drop the money supply by 20% this year with all the, the hazards that would go on with that, but I don't. I think it's severe enough that you can't ignore it either. I, I don't know the solution, 
but ignoring it probably isn't it the solution then wh- what are you going to do that, that, what percentage of population will, will never own a new car or a new house unless they have one to trade yeah and it, there's no question that the, there's uh price uh shock still if you will there's still sticker shock on on homes on new homes on rents on on cars on food try go to I mean, a, go to emergency room you don't want to do that if you don't have to but go to a hospital yeah or or medical any right absolutely medical services um contractors construction services there's 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 sticker shock um there's a i think what happens is there's a complacency that a lot of consumers have that they eventually um say okay this is the new norm by the way i'm making a little extra money if you know for people who are still still working but for those people who are retired that are on fixed incomes they're not you know they're not seeing any major increase um in their benefits that can offset some of these costs that um you know have risen that may be here to stay so so it's really the you know that things probably are moving in the right direction um and and i will give uh powell that i think things are moving in the right direction but i don't think there's this uh reason to suddenly have this as, as some people would joke and it's like they, they want to have a party now because you know and run their victory lap because you know they've done all the right things we're not there yet and and we're certainly not there if people are still having trouble affording new homes affording uh, um, apartments being able to buy cars i know several people in that situation recently that were looking to buy basically the same car they had and weren't able to they were priced out of the uh, out of their own market if you will with no change in their income if anything maybe a little bit of increase in their and their uh, take home income but they couldn't afford the new car well if you if you do so that's if you dilute- those are real issues and i think you hit a good point too when you're talking about price inflation is it's this is the the catch 22 here is that you've got people baby boomers especially who have accumulated all this wealth over time in their 401k's in their homes in their primary residences most of them do not have the background that we have in the way that we look at um pricing and in the way that we look at uh and they just sort of uh assume or they just take on whatever the the new rate is so that's just the way it is we have to get used to it they're not questioning it some people are questioning it but they don't understand it and what the message i got yesterday um that i thought was pretty loud and clear is that just follow us and just listen to what we're saying and everything's going to be okay and i i i don't disagree that things aren't going to be okay but i do disagree that people aren't getting the information to be able to make the decisions that they need to based on where we currently are in the in Well, Dan, if, if you if you delude yourself, and I'm not saying he is, I don't know which is worse. If if he's deluded into thinking the number over the last three years is really 18% inflation, or if he knows it's higher and he's telling you it's 18, I, I honestly don't know which is worse there. I mean, that's always a, a an issue I have regarding people. But... If, if you think the inflation was 18%, you believe the CPI, and you see auto workers and nurses and other people getting a, a 20 to 25% raise over a five-year period, you think that you've done the job right and everybody's better off for it. If you think that that 18% number isn't right and it's more like 35 to 40, you've got people going backwards instead of forwards. It's it's a massive difference in which one you believe. 
in terms of Absolutely. how in terms of how the people who essentially hire you and pay you are doing. I mean, it, no, can't, it can't be absolutely. any bigger. Uh, the, the one thing I will say also that 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 kind of goes hand in hand with this, we have, um, you know, for the last six weeks, been adding to our equity position um, because we understand that there's this momentum in the market now. Um, you know, I do think if you want to participate, and this this is what I would say to the listeners not to look so much for specific stocks in this environment, but to kind of do more broad-based, you know, like the SPY, um, you know, which is the uh, ETF that represents the S&P 500. Or another um, that I've mentioned um, a few shows ago um, is the small cap uh, core index ETF, I, the letters IJR, it's an iShare, um, ETF, uh, low fees, and small caps had fallen behind um, quite a bit, and they were, they're now coming back, and they've had a nice run in here. Now, we are buying momentum. I don't know how long this lasts, but I do think it lasts into the new year because, the, because there are so many believers in what happened yesterday. There are so many people that are on board with that. It's You do hear some skeptics but all of a sudden, I don't know if you noticed, Chief, but we, you know, you, we heard all this thing about all this talk about recession, and all of a sudden that's gone, boom, in a couple of you know short um, weeks. And we also heard, we still hear all this talk about pivoting. And and if I hear that word one more time, I, it should not be the the primary concern. It, it, we shouldn't be trying to, to bet on when the next the next. Um, you know, it, when the first, if you will, um, rate uh, cut is going to happen, because the market itself is getting—it's getting—it has gotten ahead of itself. That's I mean, my, that my, that my next question, Dan. Is um, one of the—I'm uh, going to say one of the weaknesses—and everybody has strengths and weaknesses. One of the weaknesses in my money management for the last really 20 years. I mean, we've done pretty well, but. I could have done a lot better, and one of the reasons why I could have done a lot better is when I when I was trained, you know, by the by the market theorists back in the day. You you had this respect for essentially the market's ability to ferret out information. That's why I I never, if ever I see something like wow I know I know what this guy Powell's going to say and I know the body language, and I you know and he's going to tell people they're going to start pouring money back in the system and. And the market's probably going to take off. Okay, I, I get that part. Yet my mentality is, and, and I, I guess it's a strength that I can see it, but it's, it's a weakness that I don't act on it. I think I'm not the only one reading the movie or what reading the newspaper. I, mean, I think there's a real lot of people who feel the same way. And that's why the market ran up for four solid weeks into the guy's speech yesterday, right? And I, But the thing that stuns me, is then he comes out with exactly what I expected, some mealy-mo thing about we're starting to put money back in, don't worry. Our, our focus now is on driving asset prices up like it has been for 25 years, and we don't care about anything else. I mean, that's essentially, to me, the message he's saying. Why, and it used to be, but you remember, you know, buy, buy the rumor, sell the news. Why, when they come out, we go even higher. <laughs> that's right. the part. I mean, I, I would never have dreamed after, you know, leading up to this, uh, knowing pretty much what they've been doing. I mean, the market has figured this out since the last speech. And yet, we go flying up after 
I would have thought that we'd have a little run up and we'd just stop there and that would be it for the end. Of, that would be the 30 year ago market that it was anticipated. And I, but now I'm sitting there going, maybe I was the only guy <laughs> who knew what he was going to say before he said it. And, and I, I, I guess I'm losing sort of my respect for the market to be able to dig out some of the same stuff you and I are seeing. Yeah, no, and I and I agree with you there. And again, going back to, to my comment earlier that, you know, as a good investor is someone who doesn't follow the herd, you know, that doesn't follow. And, and also, I mean, these are two things that I can say about myself, um, patting myself on the back, but it's really because of the training that I've gotten over the past 40 years is is not following the herd and just naturally being like that anyways. But also doing my homework and research, then, which is what we do on the companies we invest in, or any investments that we make. Um, and I think a lot of people are skipping that second part. They're they're listening to you know their their the, who they believe is the guru of the week, and that guru is as you notice changes. And and there's there there are still people out there that are saying the same thing. And unfortunately. What I have, I've been asked a, a couple times recently to speak at a few conf, upcoming conferences, and and I enjoy doing that. And and one of the the comments they were asking on on one of the conferences I was at last week, they were asking my take, and they had a guy that was talking about high yield. Well, that's my specialty, and and but the guy who spoke spoke about high yield, I didn't agree with m- much of what he had to say. It wasn't really substantive. It didn't go back far enough in history to, to, to like tell the story. He wasn't educating people that were investors who weren't familiar with the high yield market or the nuances of the market, um, but he had a lot of money. So he got that, he was able to get that position and he was also a sponsor of the conference to be able to tell his story. The sad part is that the people who are listening are gonna believe that. Oh yeah, They're just well. gonna take it in and say that, okay, because he was the speaker, you know they're not going to do their homework and find out. Hey, there's a second. There's a, another opinion. At conferences and in general, I think it's good to have, as as what you alluded to when we first got on the call, a give and take and a little bit of a, you know, somebody having a different opinion or or bringing up some other facts to get you to think. And that's what we we need to continuously do to be good investors. Well, you mentioned we can't when, you mentioned when you, well, you mentioned we when you started what you were when you were talking that you you think the. Uh, Again, this is right in my, you know, my personal. Want to make all the right decisions, all the right times for my clients, which is hard to do. But, but that's also my job to do that, and so is yours. And uh, but right now you sit there and you go, I'm with you. I, I use the term are, are the the lemmings lemmings. Are people going to keep investing, you know, through 401ks and other stuff? The money's just going to compound in the market. I think we might have this kind of run up to the end of the year, like you do. But the other side of me says, every piece of good news, it's, it's not only out there, it's blinking light. Could it get any better? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, 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 if people, if this isn't the best they've ever seen, with, with a five-week run-up and new record highs here, what more do you want? That's the other part of the argument. I mean, I get well, it well, that things are good, but is it a buy? I guess is the question. Yeah, no, and I, and I agree with you, but I think it all a lot of it has to do with what we've been through, and it's all relative to what we've been through. So... So one of the things that, that was discussed is the supply chain, the improvements in the supply chain. And yes, they are much better than they were, let, let's say, two years ago when people couldn't get any goods um, delivered and, and there were huge bottlenecks. And those have clearly improved. Now, whether that means um, you know, the prices are coming down, I'm not sure about that. I think that's a big, that's a big leap. Um, but 
any improvement over what we've seen um, over the last few years is is bringing this euphoria into the market. And it's a good thing to see that we're moving in the right direction, but I still think this takes this all takes time. And it all has to be relative. So we really should be looking at what happened pre-pandemic and going back and seeing the environment that, we're, that we were in then. And some of the comments that Powell made yesterday basically were alluding to the fact that, yeah, now we're back to where we were you know, before March of 2020. And I'm not sure I agree with that. I think we're in a, in a very different environment some of it is psychological too. It's some of it has to do with the the views on work, the remote working situation. At the conference, one of the conferences I was at last week, um, I talked to probably ten or fifteen different CEOs. They all still are trying to get people to get back right. into the office. It still isn't happening. Productivity is not where they want it to be. So it's it's still there. This is what's going on on the street and you really have to get down and dig and ask the people who are seeing this day to day what's what's really going on and not just gloss over on the headlines and maybe part of it also is because it is a political year um, that we're in an election year that we're in now officially um, between now and next November it, it, there is a lot of that window dressing that happens anyways but I think for you and I what, what you know for both of us it's difficult to see um, people just taking this at face value and not really asking those questions and not really digging and not really trying to understand and not really trying to connect all the dots just saying oh this is great I got a little more money I can spend it or you know hey you know the feds say that everything is good you know hey we're not going to see another increase in rates so now it's time to buy buy that house it's it's you know the, the I think the um, there's a uh, a lack of people aren't reading. They aren't they aren't going through and doing their homework and 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 going through their mind and actually making sure that it all makes sense. They're just well, listening to yeah. The numbers just keep. We talk about it constantly, but Dan, I can't let you go before we do a tell me where to go on the on the treasury curve here. But here here here's what you and I are talking about in in numbers. Here's the conundrum. We had a big run up in the market before COVID, right? So if you look at 218.20, all right, the, the S&P, the spider, is at 333. All right, so then we go through, it goes flying down, comes flying up, blah, blah, blah. And we have all these problems. We have supply chain issues. We have this, that, and everything. And now, by any stretch, those are getting better. I don't know if they're back to to uh, 218.20 in terms of getting people and stuff, and it's probably not quite as good. And if so... But we're getting we're getting there. I mean, and, and there's been massive improvement over the depths of the COVID. No, nobody, nobody could possibly disagree with that. I don't think. I mean, I don't think you or anybody would. But now here's the conundrum: if if the spider was still three thirty three, I'd, I'd be you know I'd, I'd be selling my golf clubs to put to put the money in the market. But it's not. Right. It's four seventy two. So right. I mean, so it's already I, up. 50 percent so now the question is is that enough of a celebration or not and that's the conundrum it, it is and it and it absolutely is and and i think that's another part of of the investment process the investment management process that that people miss out of we talk you know in terms of how how we look at investments and we we look at the fundamentals of a company or any investment that we're making whether it be a bond or or, or a stock or a commodity we look at the fundamentals the second part is the valuation. It's very important 
to know whether you're paying too much and and that you know i think sometimes people get too excited and say yeah i need the new iphone 25 i need the new whatever is coming to market i don't care what the price is everybody else has one and i think that sort of again that herd mentality is what's what's um what's going to you know, is it's not going to help our market. It's going to it's going to allow this market to continue to spin out of control or to spin forward. So, so one thing I would say is, although we stepped in and started adding equities about six weeks ago, I think we're we're hopefully going to be lightening up at the right time um, because there is going to be this um, bloat, if you will, that you're referring to in in, in prices, um, and I think that's going to continue for a while. But to get to your point about uh, bonds and where the value is right now. Four-month T-bills were buying at five five and a half percent. Now that's off the run. That's those are ones that currently trade. And again, we get the we get institutional trading. But um, yeah, even even after uh, yesterday, um, they're still at five forty-four this morning for an April second um, T-bill. So there there's still opportunity there. Um, I I would not try to play the uh, let's go long on the yield curve and. You know that's that's dangerous. Um, trying to market time interest rates is very can be very dangerous when, especially when you can get a lot more yield in in the risk-free rate and a tax break on your your state and local taxes um, with T-bills. So I still like T-bills. Corporate bonds. Oh, but back, 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 back up a hair on that, on that one. I got a question for you, my friend. Uh, if you look at well, we're the 14th. This is the 13th. The big. The decision, for lack of a better term, Dan, is is in between the six months. I'm going to give you the numbers here. Now you got you know probably more current ones. Six months is 5.33, one year is 4.94, two years 4.46. So if I'm going to have a client today, and some of my clients are the same clients you have, uh, it, where are those those are the key. I'm going to say that those are the key spots. I don't think there's any question that 5.33 for six months is still fine, or 5.45 for four months, like you just said. But are we are we gonna are we gonna recommend somebody goes with the one year at, at four less, or goes at, with the two year at almost a whole point less? Yeah, I, 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 my opinion. I'm Dan. I'm not giving a recommendation. I would say let's stick 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 with the six month. I don't know if this, these ten year rates, these long term rates, are going to keep going down. What do you think? Yeah, and I mean, I, I would agree, and I, I think that if anything, if 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 we're, you know, we're we still have an inverted yield curve, which means you're still getting paid more in the short end, and again, that goes to the point of thinking that we're in this euphoric, you know, economic environment now. Um, don't forget that we do have an inverted yield curve still, um, and that generally will, will not happen, um, you know, if if the if there's an anticipation. Of you know some sort of acceleration in growth, um, so so th- yes, I agree. I'd say four to six months on the T bills. Stay away from corporates right now, not because of default risk, but because the spreads have tightened so much. A lot of people ran into uh, corporates. They 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 chased the corporate market, and in some cases, you're you're looking at below investment grade bonds trading at about 100 over treasuries, Ugh. and and that's yeah, and that's just you're not paid. I still like munis, although they've run a lot. We made a really good call on munis um, a few months ago, but there, I still think that there's better um, after-tax uh, yield um, with munis. Again, don't expect as much liquidity, um, and stay short. Um, you don't need to go long. You don't need to do the. You take that much more interest rate risk in this environment. 
well, I don't trust these guys. We got a dash here, Dan. I don't trust these guys. <laughs> Assuming we we all last thirty years, I don't trust these guys to keep inflation at a, at a, at a rate where four point one nine for thirty years is a good investment. I think that sucks. Just saying. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would. I I think the some of the conclusions, like I said, I said I think a lot of it has to do with connecting the dots. You know, and 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 how you get from from um, one place to another, and I would just uh, caution listeners to to do your homework and to really understand what you're investing in before you blindly, um, you know, listen to some of the um, the people who are speaking or the the strategists. Or by the way, or uh, what, what's the? I promise, last question. What's the term for a yield curve? You said it's inverted, but it actually pops up near the end here. Uh, the ten years four hundred four. 20 is 4.36 and 30 is 4.19 that's kind of odd isn't it yeah it's flat in in general the yield curve is flat once you get past um the two-year yeah you know, but then it, it pops it's, up it's, between 10 and 20. yeah and that's part of the reason for that is the same reason when i was talking about the off the run uh, tr- uh tr- t-bills or treasuries the off the runs are less liquid um they're not traded as much so as a result you're going to get paid more for that okay uh, but they're not necessarily totally. I mean, they're still very, very liquid. So yes, buy the twenty if you want to go long. Buy the twenty. Um, you know, buy the buy the yield in this environment pretty much all the way across the yield curve. But my the best bang for your buck is still on the short end. I would agree, Dan. Thank you very much. As usual, good stuff. SP futures up thirteen. The SP futures up forty two. Be right back, thank Mr. You. John Flanagan. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Right now. Low and stocks and jocks. I'm talking about Greg Pappas on the board. SP futures up 12. NASDAQ futures up 39. We have uh, Dow futures up 89. I don't, I don't have... Uh, Anybody really, everybody in the Dow is up. The only one who's moved up a lot is Goldman Sachs, up 327, but it's mostly all green. Uh, uh, Procter & Gamble's down a little bit, so is uh, Salesforce, but nothing nothing any, any kind of a, a lot. The only one that's actually down here today is uh, Adobe that came up with earnings. They were down 5%. They were down like 40 bucks. Now they're only down 24, but uh, Straddle was uh, 36. So they blew through the Straddle, but now they're, they're back in. I didn't do anything in there. Uh, we tried to, we didn't get anything. Uh, over in Europe, we've got Wowie's here, Wowie's here. Now, the Bank of England uh, kept uh, kept rates uh, even, and, and they say they're going, uh, growth is slowing, so that means more money in the system means market's going to go up. That's that, you got to go with the no news. is Bad news is good news here. 
Retail sales rose 0.3% November versus expectation for decline. So, you know, we've got that going, but we don't have any inflation. Just saying. Uh, well, like I said, we have the FTSE up 118, 1.6%. That's a big move. Kakaron up 81, it's on 1.1%. So very bullish over in Europe. Not so much in Asia. Nikkei down 240, uh, 0.7%. We've got the Hang Seng up, but still way sort of down with the 16,402 uh, is the number. Shanghai is down uh, 10 points, and those guys are still under 3,000. They, they, I mean, uh, Russell's concerned about China. We don't seem to care at all. We'll see if he ends up being right on that or not. Um, hopefully, we don't collapse because of China. Uh, we've got oil now up a dollar 59 or a dollar 63, which is 2.3 percent, but barely over 70, 71.10. Brent up a buck uh, 73, 75.99. Natural gas up three cents, 263. Gold is up a bunch here on the future, but. Uh, a lot of this was reflected in the ETFs yesterday, so it's not really a surprise. Uh, gold's up 51 bucks, 2,048. Silver up a dollar 50, 24.42. Copper up almost nine cents now, 3.87. So all the people that I've had metals for a while, and we've been kind of lagging a little bit. We kind of unlagged yesterday, so it was a pretty good day for for the good guys. Uh, Bitcoin down 538. Uh, it's 1.3%, 42,241. As you might expect, there's a big move here in the dollar because of all this. Uh, the uh, euro is uh, up almost 0.4% at one, over 109, which it hasn't been for a while. And the British pound is up almost 0.6%, 1.27, which again has been high, high for recently. Greg, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Morning, everyone. 737 here. Chicago, 35 degrees right now, 49 today, mostly sunny. Phoenix, 43 right now, 69 today, but sunny and pleasant. Traffic inbound Kennedy is 20 minutes from Montrose, 34 minutes from Lake Cook. 25 from Wolf, and 95th to the interchange is 23 minutes, and the Stevenson from 294 to the right is 31 minutes. NCAA, we got nothing. NBA, Nets beat the Suns. That was 116-112, and the Chargers play at Raiders tonight. Las Vegas favored by three. What do you mean? You got Northwestern fresh off their huge upset of Purdue, managed to get their ass kicked last night by Chicago State. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> but how do how do you lose to those guys after beating Purdue? It happens. It happens. Obviously, it happens. Uh, so I, we had a nice caucus last night. Um, where was Mr. Flanagan? He was a no show again, right? I was s- snug in my bed with visions of sugar plums dancing in my head. We were we were at the, <laughs> we were at the official drinking hole, Stocks and Jacks, Triple E Tap. Uh, we had clients and people there, and it was uh, Greg was there. It was a fun time had by all, and. Uh, we had a couple of guys from the grew up on the east side. Well, actually, uh, John didn't grow up on the east side, but his dad owned a restaurant over there. So, one of the gentlemen that I, uh, a friend of mine from the neighborhood, were swapping uh, Roseland stories, right, Greg? Pretty much. Definitely. It was kind of fun. Uh, the uh, eating pizza, drinking beer. Yeah, and uh, so John's dad has a picture. He had a place at what do you say, Forty Third and it's a King Drive or Woodlawn, Cottage Grove. Cottage Grove. And uh, he has a picture of uh, his dad, uh, Reverend Martin Luther King, and Jesse Jackson. We had the massive afro all in the same picture. I'm talking about classic, huh? Wow. What year was that picture taken, Tom? Uh, oh, it had to be, well, it had to be before 68. That's when King got killed. Uh, I'd, yeah. I would love to be in a picture with Martin Luther King. When did you yeah. uh, well, cut I your could have, could have had My parents in that picture, too. That was their old hood. Yeah. Yeah. You're saying, Greg? I said, when did you cut your your afro? Uh, mine wouldn't stand out like that. We did have a uh, 
a gentleman, uh, one of our buddies from uh, school, who actually went to Air Force Academy for one year and had to have his hair shaved. And he came to Notre Dame and he never cut his hair for three years and kind of stuck out all over. And he was, of course, affectionately known as Fro with his African-American haircut, kind of stuck out all like a porcupine sort of thing. Just saying. Nobody had... I love the, the uh, afro that the guy on uh, Mod Squad had, Link. That was, that was, that was a beauty. <laughs> That's back on reruns, Tom. Really? Well, I'm going to have to watch it because I thought she was a doll. Oh, God, she's gorgeous. What was her name? She just died. Um, oh, yeah. Um, no, she looks great in series. So uh, we've been... If you've been listening in, we've, we're all over the block here this morning. Uh talking about the big schools, we're talking about the Fed, we're talking about the market appearing to have the all clear down to the, what was the, uh, the, the, uh, the song Convoy? Who did that song, Greg? You're, you're a music guy. What did I play? Uh, the, the song Convoy. Looks, huh. like, looks like we have a convoy. I'll take a look. C.W. McCall. What, what he said, we were clear, we're clear to Flagstown. Well, it looks like the market's clear to at least the end of the year, right? Up every day, or or do you think it's, or do you think it's too much already, or it doesn't matter? Just going to keep going. It's, that's the conundrum. I mean, uh, I think in today's world, it keeps going. In 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 my forty year old, forty year ago world, you'd say it's it's up and off. But now I I think it might keep going. How's that for prediction? Will probably be wrong as usual. What do you think, Greg? We going up or not? Continuing. There you go. There you go, Taco Town. Yeah, we definitely got us the front door, good buddy. Mercy sakes alive, looks like we got us a convoy. The market's a convoy. Right now we're clear to... Where, where's Taco Town? Is, it, is, is Taco Town 5,000 in the S&P? It's only th- on Tuesdays, Chief. Okay, but the ES, uh, S&Ps are 47.79. Is Taco Town 5,000? Where is it? 5,100? I, I would do, yeah. That's the ultimate, that's the goal, so 10,000. 10,000, 20,000, what's the difference? Well, if we all just buy and nobody ever sells, we'll all be rich and everything will be cool. Just saying. So, Jan, we talked about the, the Harvard people, the Penn people. We talked about some of the politics and some of the schools. And, uh, and at our, our alma mater, uh, one of our, our co-friends was, uh, was on the board, did a whole bunch of stuff for the place, did a lot of interviews, and really spent a lot of time and, and money helping out Notre Dame, and he he worked his way onto the uh, what's the outside board, not the inside board. He was on Dave Durson was on the outside board, but they don't they never get into actually hire and fire people. They even get to see the budget. They're just they get to go with glad hand and have a shrimp cocktail and a few drinks and yeah, they're give, ambassadors really. Yeah, they're they're more ambassadors than they are board members. And uh, when you when you come to something and and I don't think the people who who run the the uh, endowment have anything to do. Uh, uh, anything to do with any kind of policy? Um, the uh, you know some the uh, uh, so I mean it's it, the who the power is in these places is can you really tell? Well, you would think that if you know the people running the endowment noticed a drop in contributions or. Uh, um, you know, different patterns of, of contributions, or you know, things that, that were not really in, in you know their focus of where they thought the college you know investment should be headed. 
would would alert the powers that be that you know there's something's the messaging seems to be off here because we're, you're not getting the results that you expected or that we predicted you would um, with whatever's coming out of you know the public relations office here. So you would think that there would be some sensitivity to that, and in a, in a economically driven world, I guess there 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 definitely would be. But it's it's an ideologically driven world now, so I guess that tends to trump. You know, you'd rather lose. It's just, just like with the amendments to the ERISA Act. You know, it's okay to lose money as a fiduciary, say, in the pension fund, if you invest in, you know, things that are morally right and you know hit all the right buttons. And if you lose money, well, that's that's really a shame. But but the bigger objective here has been met. So I guess maybe you know, economics don't drive it, the engine as you know as far as they used to. Well, I'm gonna um, ex 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 as we say on the South Side. Um, you have this. I don't, I don't use. I don't, I don't know if there's slight differences. I'm guessing there probably are somewhat differences because the Harvard one been, has been around for longer. Does anybody have to pay attention to anybody? I mean, they have, from what I understand, and I, I'm not digging through their numbers. Maybe Greg can find out what the find out what the what the endowment is at, at Harvard. We Greg, it's, it's north of seventy billion. I yeah, I mean, it's 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 up there, and they're probably are they two or three? I mean, I thought Yale. Well, they first. should have a seat at the UN. Fund. Maybe they, yeah. they do have. Several seats at the UN, but I'm saying even if even if guys like Bill Ackman say I'm not giving you any more, so what? Bill, take your take your money and shove it. I mean, I'm not saying they should do that, but it you you you. Oh, never mind. I was wrong. It looks like it was 51 at the f- end of fiscal year 2022. Who's who's number one? Uh, they got to be close. Yeah, they're they're number one. They are. Who's the number two? Dartmouth was there for a while, and uh, MIT or Carnegie. Texas is pretty high too, right? Uh, it, the, from what I see it from U.S. News is Harvard, Yale, Stanford, and then Princeton is very close. So, so 50, 41, 36, 35, and MIT is 24. Okay. And what well, the Irish are like nine or something, eight, seven? Um, Notre Dame is 17. 17. Yeah. And I think uh, where Chicago is in there, Texas is pretty high. Is it Texas or Texas A&M is pretty high? One uh, A&M, yeah. A&M is tied with, uh, let's see. AM's tied with Notre Dame and Michigan, wow. 17. Um, so I guess it reaches the where, point. What happened to you, Chicago? I don't know. they got to be in there somewhere. Maybe I can't read. Um, but they, the uh, interesting thing that you reach the point where do you even have to listen to anybody? I mean, so what? We've, we've, we've got enough there. We, we don't have to charge tuition. We, it's, I mean, that money gives you some power. Or at least you know the people who control it. They, how would you like to be in control of seventy billion dollars? I mean, it's uh, you can do whatever you want with it, right? Yeah, Tom. I th- I think there's very much a, a you know, a, a freedom now to snub individual donors, um, especially when y- you think these donors are apparently trying to purchase influence uh, for a particular you know political. Agenda or particular well, at Notre Dame, Notre Dame, they're buying indulgences, right? Yeah, well, that was always <laughs> you know you, you expected to get a return for it. You wouldn't be giving this money, and now I think that you know there's there's other decision making apparatus that you know says, well, we like you as a donor, but we don't like you enough that we're going to do what you're asking us to do. But please keep giving us our money if you can. And whether we fulfill your wishes or not really isn't within our control. Well, if you're at Notre this is, Dame... This is the attitude, and there yeah. doesn't seem to be any shutting off of the spigot for the money coming in. So. If you're at Notre Dame and you've got a $17 billion endowment, 
I mean, that's, I think a, that's a billion dollars, if assuming around 6% or so, that's a billion dollars a year. How, what's your tuition? Well, I mean, for a person, it's like 70 or something. Yeah, so yeah. a billion dollars divided by uh, 70,000, that's like 14,000 students. And they only have like eight or nine or ten. Yeah, it's a nice carry. It's a nice carry. Do you think, uh, should we embarrass Greg? Do you think he even knows what an indulgence is? Is that where you buy your way into heaven? Well, well no, you buy your way, you, you, you buy time off in purgatory. Oh, purgatory, yeah. Nice. You can't, you can't make it into heaven just on an indulgence. But if you're, if you're stuck in purgatory, like working off your bad deeds, you can buy that time off. And it was measured in days yeah. often. You know, Do people... days. Of course, a plenary indulgence meant, you know, kind of a, you know, wild card. You know, you could bypass the whole process of purgatory. So, but now, yeah, if, if you suggest, was, though, people who are old spend more time in purgatory? No, I'm just saying that if you've been, uh, if, if you've been, a, <laughs> I use the term, Eddie DeBartolo, for instance, who had all kinds of union, was he a union buster in Ohio and stuff, if all of a sudden he wants to come clean, he gave Notre Dame 35 million bucks. But if you're older, so, I mean, you've done more stuff wrong, so right. you're more purgatory, so more money. Well, evidently. But my question, John, is I never could figure this out because I didn't want to ask the nun for if she throwing a racer at me. <laughs> if, you, if you pony up for the plenary indulgence, which means you've, you wiped off all your time, but then you you screw up for that day onward. Do you have to go go buy like another one the day before you croak? Yeah, it wasn't like you know the Hunter Biden plea deal where you'd never be prosecuted. <laughs> it was it was different. You could you could always be reset to you know since you had a free will, you were always capable of you know reneging on however you earned your plenary indulgence. And if you started you know lapsing into your old ways, this started a whole new oh started the whole thing. So yeah. <laughs> God. People they used to sell so, I mean, those. This, this, yeah. this was the source of great scandal at the church, you know, and, and as a fundraising tool and wealth transfer tool, and you know that's that's why we have the Reformation. Yeah, it was one of the reasons why my uh, what's his name Martin Luther hit the thing on the door, right? Yeah. Oh God. So we have the we have the rally. We have the uh, I, I don't see a seller anywhere. And the question is, how much do I want to get long here at this level? I think I'm gonna have to get long at least a little bit. Uh, I think, John, we maybe want to look at our, every all the indices. Some have been really lagging this year. I mean, I'm not, you know, this is not investment advice, but one of the things people are doing now is looking at stuff like, uh, I mean, I'm looking at this, uh, uh, and, and some of the ones that, are, that have been trailing, you wouldn't even think they were, but um, if you look at, for instance, like the, the XBI is not even really up, and maybe it's up on the year a hair, uh, that this is the biotech uh, group. The uh, you know, some of them of that the XLE has. Well, of course, oil prices are nowheresville. I don't know. What do you think, Greg? Is XLE? You want to even look at oil prices here? They can't get out of their own way at all. I don't, I'd be hesitant to buy that one, which probably means it's a great buy, right? Well, but the stocks and jocks portfolio is getting long CVX and XOM. There you go. So I mean, I uh, think we we need to think about what what indexes really are, Tom. And you know, since we just you know. Made a record-setting hit yesterday with the Dow. Um, I wouldn't say that that's indicative of general health across you know the equities market no. by any means. Other, but it's a, it's a very skewed snapshot, and it's a it's a useful way of looking at a huge picture and narrowing it down to some criterion, you know, that that make you you know see patterns perhaps. But you know, Jeffrey Tucker's got a really good piece in the Epic Times from yesterday, the day before, about. CPI index, and when you dig into those numbers, you 
I mean, there's huge run-ups in costs for certain commodities like like beef roasts oh, yeah. up twelve to sixteen percent. None, none of these things really, you know, are 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 have neon lights around them when you look at the CPI. Well, you know where they so don't. The, you know where they, they don't, Jen, is several years ago, and I've oh, maybe more than several, lose track of time. Uh, there's a substitution algorithm, isn't there, Greg? Where if if the price of beef runs up. You're gonna say more and more people are not going. Say, say beef is uh, one. Per, it's it's not. But say it's one percent of the basket, and all of a sudden the price of beef runs up. There is a substitution algorithm that says we're gonna take beef down from one percent of the CPI to 0.75 because right. it's it's up there. So now people are gonna substitute pork and chicken and whatever spaghetti. So there's that algorithm in there. So the, the CPI is designed to come in lower than it really is by by every and stretch. Mass, mass, it, the, the anomalies or the, the really distressing run-ups that have clearly changed people's long-term behavior. Oh yeah, uh, about the purchases they make or, or the the time frame in which they think they can make them, um, or the way they've deprived themselves of things that used to be considered staples or, or not luxury items, and all of a sudden now are luxury items so the, the, it, as useful a number as it may be for you know some kind of gauging of what's happening it's it's an extremely misleading number because it is an index and it's weighted all over the place and it masks the, the, the things that that are most shocking about all the the data that's hidden behind the screen well i mean it's on it's, the it's, producer side guys mostly you would expect first the demand to go from say steak to then hamburger so you would see a de- decline in steak and then hamburger you got real problems if if they're taking meat off altogether right well yeah well especially if it's a kosher house you can't well. exactly substitute pork for beef <laughs> right <laughs> you can't go down there down that road but you know you, you even those suppositions are are based on what you know it's, it's sort of like you know treating these as theoretical issues that people must be substituting x for y uh, because these are substitutable. Well, you know, they're, they're not necessarily substitutable in the eyes of consumers, perhaps. But, but if it's not, the, the thing the thing that, uh, well, there's a bunch of stuff, as you know, Jen, it bothered me about this whole mess, but the thing that bothered me probably the most is if if you look at the the figures, the the, the stats, the, the, the information, the monetary information, whatever it is, if you look at it and, you, and you're not rigorous and you have a, a mindset anyway, you can really gloss over the mindset to make yourself in one way. Like yesterday, the thing that really, I mean, you know, my brother loves Paul. He thinks he's doing a good job, and I think it's exactly the opposite. Of course, that's what brothers are for, right? Uh, you know, when somebody says, if you are either misguided enough to, to, to really think that you have an 18% uh, inflation over the last three and a half years versus I think the 35 to 40 that we've had and I could pretty much prove uh, when you see somebody at the lower echelon the guy working on the assembly line people you don't care about people you've never met people you don't give a, a rat's ass about if you see them getting a 22% raise you think you've done your job and you've helped every man and why is he bitching right your whole view of your performance changes right and, and right. but if all of a sudden you say wait a minute he's still 15 percent behind 
and he's never going to catch up. Then your view of your performance, you look at your face in the mirror, it looks a lot different. Same thing with, he can talk about housing prices and how the mortgage rates are coming down. The I'm going to say, at, at the price of a, a house, even at 6% mortgage, not at the 8%, i am going to say that without two incomes in the family, 90% of Americans cannot afford today's house, maybe more. Well, that's not, that's not a good performance by a Federal Reserve, in my opinion. They think they've no. done the, the absolute kick-ass job, I think. Or at least that's what they're telling you. Yeah, and um, and then at you know, rent showed numbers into that too. And if if all of a sudden it, it becomes clear to most thinking people that housing itself is unaffordable now to people who don't have a double income and perhaps no. Well, if you don't have a house to trade, if you don't have a current house to trade, right? Where you're, you're trading you're dollars, get into it. you're never going to get into yeah. it. Um, so what do you? That, I mean, that, that's a, that's a very inconvenient truth. No, nobody wants to take responsibility for having created that situation so they'd rather just say that isn't the case at all um you know these these numbers are are actually quite healthy and you know we shouldn't be worried about housing prices because you can still buy a house um there still are houses being sold so what's what's the big deal well the average price is uh 406 and you, you don't get money from mom and dad and uh whatever i mean what did we talk about on on monday jan was it the average age of somebody buying a home now is like 35 or 36 and a few years ago it was 29. Yeah, okay, so that's you, a huge difference. It's a huge difference. You start putting uh, 20% down, okay, before you even calculate what your monthly nut is. How many people, I mean, we've gone through some statistics, Greg, where, you know, what percentage of the population has 2,000 cash in the bank in case their transmission goes out? I mean, people have the credit, they have the wealth, they can put it on their credit card, but just flat out cash, there's not a that you know, it's it's a surprisingly low number. I mean scarily low. Who the hell there's an interesting commercial now, you know, for all these car shield type, you know, insurance yeah. you know, warranty you know, plans to protect you against huge car repair bills. And it shows a woman who gets a you know, bill for replaced have a transmission replaced and her eyes just pop out of her head. She goes, Oh my god, thirteen hundred dollars. There goes our savings. Well that tells me at, at most, these people only have thirteen hundred. That's got to be a very bank, old commercial. Right? No, nobody's yeah. getting a transmission replaced for thirteen hundred bucks. No, <laughs> not, not even close. Hey, right off the bat, we don't even that. That's masking a bigger. Yeah, that, reality. That's masking a bigger reality. But, yeah, the, uh, but I'm gonna say, who, how many people age thirty, if they don't get it from their parents or in, or inherit it the old-fashioned way, of making money, who the hell saves up eighty grand by the time you're thirty? If you have it, especially if you got any student loan debt or anything. How the hell do you get eighty grand in a bank? And, and given how wages have not kept track with anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, that's that's a chunk. But uh, John, you're not. Um, mis- you know, you, who knows? You might have nine million dollars. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if you got nine million squirreled away in stock. Or after yesterday, today, we see the market going. It looks like it's going to keep going. It uh, looks like they're going to start putting some more money in the system, or certainly not taking it out. After this massive run up, you think it's still a buy? Well, what what else can you buy, Tom? I mean, there's, there's limited um, investment opportunities for, for the average person, and you can speak more, you know, accurately to this than I can. But how could you stay out of the market when it's doing this? And this is exactly why, you know, 
the numbers are being touted as this kind of success story and clearly they're getting people on the bandwagon they don't want people to invest in cryptocurrencies they don't want them to invest in you know precious metals so i, I guess the sales pitch is you know you can't lose why why deprive yourself of a chance to make some money here would you would you, you uh, say in response to that time? i'll ask you i'll ask greg because it's eight o'clock would you would you would you pile into a couple of the indices that like the biotech and some of those probably four or five of them i'm not even the Russell has not performed like the other one. D- do we try and think, if I had a million bucks, we actually probably do have a million bucks to put to work today. Uh, I put it in the broad base and just go with the herd, or do I try and find some of these other ones that have moved so much? It's, it's hard to fight the herd at times like this, I think. I mean, even like the biotech industry, pharmaceuticals, whatever, after what's happening with their numbers and you know, the, the, the collapse of the interest in vaccines, whatever seasonal vaccine or you know, long-term vaccine they're trying to push. I mean, the, the people are not responding to it. The healthcare industry seems to have moved on from it. So you've got pharmaceutical companies that are going to have to find some other way of making money um, as an industry. I think they're they're sort of in suspension. All right, Greg, right we got we got one vote for herd. Where are you? Uh, I would say, you know, a little bit just like just like every other time, a little bit in something like. SPY a little bit in VNQ and then a little bit of bonds. So you're 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 out on the banking index. You don't like oil. Don't like any of those things. Oh, I love oil. It's seventy bucks. Not the physical commodity. The well, I mean your XLE uh, represents right. that price. It, it's been doing lousy all year. Yeah, right. that's why you buy more of it. That's what I'm saying. So you're you're thinking of buying buying some of the. Well, if I had a million dollars right now, I'd do a little bit in VNQ, a little bit in in SPY, and a little bit in. Uh, What's it called? The whatever the aggregate bond index is. The uh, XLE started the year at uh, where the hell were we? Uh, roughly, let's say uh, I don't know. I can't get the right date here, but uh, eighty-seven forty-seven, and it's eighty-three thirty. So um, it's down on the year. And boy, it's if you had a bunch of people in that, they'd be snowing at you. Uh, but now we can't trade last year. We got to trade next year, right? Right. Right. Well, I, I think we're going to continue this conversation uh, to be to be continued, eh? Where we're going to put some money. Yeah. And thank you, Greg. Nice job. SP futures up twenty five. Nasdaq futures up seventy three. Uh, back tomorrow. Stocks and jacks. You know there are people in this world that don't have to put up with all this. Shit. Stocks and jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to ptisecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at ptiprodirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit hamzianalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.